Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul. You're on. Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, September 7th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and good evening. Just like she said, welcome to Weigh in Sports Talk. Week two of college football has come and gone. And today, week one of the NFL, some great action. I finally got to check out the Red Zone channel on uh, DirecTV with a ticket, and it was just amazing to watch a few hours of Red Zone. It seems like I got to watch every game in the NFL today. So what a great day of sports. What a great weekend of sports. And, and again, thank you to everyone for joining us. Hopefully you're watching the Denver-Indianapolis game tonight that just kicked off, put your put it on mute and listen in and enjoy the show because we're going to bring you some controversial topics tonight, some great information, and, and we'd love to hear from you, 646-716-5564. I believe that's the number. seems like I've said it so many times I should know it. 646-716-5564. Oh, sorry, I had to get a drink of water. My throat was dry. But a lot went on in the NFL today, and we want to talk a lot about college football, some things. We're not going to necessarily review every game that we pick, but Trey, I believe the host won the pick this week. What do you think? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to check it out, actually, by the numbers. I don't think we did too poorly, though. Not poor. I mean, when you, when you say 80%, that sucks for me, so maybe around 85%, hopefully, so. We, I think, you know, it, we had to rebound. We had to, we had to protect our home field territory here. But Trey, a rematch of the Super Bowl: West Canaan Coyotes versus the Baghdad Predators. I mean, give us your thoughts, real quick. Well, I'd never go full Romo, and my team went full Romo. Romo killed me today. Uh, how did he play differently? Um, maybe I'm looking at a win today, but looks like you're going to sweep one out, Vern. Well, Cam Newton being out actually maybe helped me. You never know. I picked Fitzpatrick up about 20 minutes before kickoff, and actually he got a 70-yard touchdown that could be the difference of me winning or losing. So I want to thank the commissioner for letting me sub and uh, get in there. The chat room's not up yet, Trey. I'm trying to get everything working. But, you know, like in the movie Gladiator, after week one of the NFL, were you entertained? Oh, Oh yeah, week one was awesome. It was a great, especially the, the the opening games. You know, the the Carolina and the 49ers game wasn't all that great competitively wise. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah, what Trey was trying to say is, you know, after watching the first the 12 o'clock games, and I mean the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans. We're going to talk about that game. Uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland was a great, exciting game. Even the Eagles, Jaguars, the second half. I mean, Jacksonville dominated the first half. Philadelphia blew them away in the second half. Jets, Oakland was a great game. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Buffalo, Chicago, Houston, Washington was close until the very end. 
uh, Miami, New England. I mean, it was just a, a great day of football in the NFL, but watching the Dallas Cowboys was very sad. I mean, just a very sad game watching Romo just fall apart and the Cowboys. And, Trey, I don't know if you're back yet, but Dallas, Tony Romo, Garrett, I mean, when, are, when is Jerry Jones going to realize that something's wrong? And in order to get it fixed, you're going to have to remove either yourself or Garrett or something. And I don't think the problem's Romo. I think the problem's Garrett and just the philosophy of that team, the mindset of Well, I mean, there were a lot of mistakes for Dallas. Some of them even put on the coach. I don't know. Some of the execution in Romo, the interception in the end zone, was a terrible a terrible uh, choice from a very veteran quarterback. I mean, he should not make throws like that when you know you have double coverage. He threw the double coverage of Des Bryant. I mean, the interceptions for Romo really are sort of the kind of interceptions you would expect out of Geno Smith. And so Romo in week one was really, really terrible. His reads, it's like he wasn't seeing the field at all. Um, you, know, you do have to wonder about Garrett and the scheme and the play calling. Um, they seem to be very balanced today, um, but maybe you don't need to be balanced when Romo's not seeing the field and DeMarco Murray was having a very good day. Yeah, the Indianapolis just kicked a 55-yard field goal on fourth and one. I mean, how stupid is that? Not just go for it on fourth and one on the road. But anyway, the trade, the 12 o'clock, the 1 o'clock games were were just exciting. I mean, I watched the Red Red Zone channel for the first time, and it was just amazing getting to watch all these games at once and getting to see the highlights. But to me, the team that impressed me the most today Tell me if you agree or disagree. It has to be the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that team looks totally, totally different than last year, and a lot tougher. I don't know if you noticed that, but this team looks like they're not a, they're not soft anymore. This team is seems physical to me. Well, them, uh, their running back rotation between Steven Jackson and the two FSU players, Anton Smith and uh, Devontae Freeman, really worked out well for them. They all played um, with sort of uh, recklessness and abandonment, and they all played hard, and they needed, you know, rest. A new guy would come in. That really seemed to invigorate the Falcons' offense, Tarvin. What I also am very impressed with, I mean, how many survivor pools went down with the Bills <laughs> and the Dolphins winning? I mean, so the AFC East, the, the division that no one on the earth picked anyone other than the Patriots to win – the only team without a win this week in the AFC East was the Patriots, so that's pretty surprising, too. Well, believe it or not, Trey, I picked the New England Patriots to go down today. Believe it or not, and, and also another upset I picked was Tennessee to beat Kansas City. But, yeah, there's some survivor pools really messed up with the Bears. I've read that. A lot of people are complaining. Uh, the Bears at home lay an egg 23-20 to 20 to Buffalo. Was it Buffalo was that good, Trey, or was Chicago – just that bad. Well, Chicago didn't seem to have much of an answer when Alshon Jeffries um, kind of pulled a hammy a little bit and didn't come out. I'm sorry, didn't go back in, which is surprising that that team didn't seem to have, um, I guess, as well as Cutler was throwing, they didn't seem to have their momentum, uh, even though they were able to move the ball. So something seemed off with that offense. I'm not buying the Bills for sure, Tarvin. So, I mean, the Bills surprised me. 
but a lot of things happen in week one that don't necessarily mean week 14 success. Yeah, and another person that, that actually made me feel good, you know, Cam Newton was out, Carolina Panthers starting Derek Anderson, nobody was giving him a shot. Kelvin Benjamin stepped up, six receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. What is it about these Florida State players? Everybody that's performing is on that national championship team, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent that came off that team, which is one of the reasons why I think Florida State is struggling a little bit this year. Um, you think you're missing some of that leadership that's in the NFL, especially on defense, and they kind of uh, go up and get it. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, I mean, you saw him in that touchdown for the, in the end zone. Um, that's a jump ball that, that probably if, if Romo throws it to Terrence Williams, is intercepted. I mean, that's not uh, the receiver combo that can go up and get that ball. But, you know, Kellen Benjamin is the kind of guy who, I mean, he catches balls that no one else seems to be able to catch since maybe Randy Moss. I mean, he's not, um, he's not anywhere near there, Tarvin. I'm just saying his, his ability to go up and get the ball is pretty unique. Well, the Carolina Panthers, though, really impressed me, and we're not going to talk long about them, but to win a game on the road in division and just just demolish an opposing quarterback, how good do you have to feel if you're Ron Rivera and the Panthers? And the Panthers fan, knowing that, hey, maybe you can get Cam Newton 100% before you have to rush him back. I mean, this was a huge game for Carolina without Cam because if they lost this game, Trey, he would maybe have to be forced back a little too early, and, and you never know what that can do. Uh, but very impressed with them getting that win. Were you shocked? You know, I wasn't shocked because I thought Tampa would play better, but you have to also think, I mean, Carolina has one of the better defenses in the NFL, and so if anyone's going to struggle, it's going to be a quarterback like Josh McCown who really hasn't been there and seen a lot of this stuff firsthand. So it doesn't surprise me that he struggled against a defense like that. But I still expected Tampa to come out with a win. I mean, Doug Martin, what, nine carries, nine yards, and leaving the game, that surprised me. <laughs> but that's a huge win for Carolina on the road. I mean, anytime you can get a win on the road in the NFL, it's it's great. Anytime you can get a win on the road without your starting quarterback, it's even better. So hopefully Cam can get healthy and, and be able to make a push it and try to get back into the playoffs. It's going to be tough in a division where you have the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. After watching both teams today, uh, they're going to be around when it comes playoff time. But Joe Flacco, congratulations, uh, laid another egg. Exactly what I thought would happen. Cincinnati came in. I didn't think they'd win it with ease like that, but they jumped out to a huge lead. Baltimore made a push, came back. Cincinnati scored late 23-16. to What do you think? I mean, was it Ray Rice being out, Trey? Are you finally buying the fact that Joe Flacco sucks? Well, I mean, he did put up 385 yards. Um, so his stats at the end of the day were pretty good, Tarvin. A lot of that was um, some big long plays near the end. I'll tell you, there's a lot of things that were good about Flacco and our offense today. I mean, Dennis Petto with 10 receptions at your tight end. I think that's what they're looking for. They certainly had no balance, which I think is going to be a huge issue for them, Tarvin. They've got to find – a running back, and Bernard Pierce, who fumbled once, got yanked by the coach. Uh, clearly, they, they don't have the balance. They, they have to have um, a running back. And then Joe Flacco did look terrible in the first half. He pulled it together in the second yeah. half, Tarvin. But the first half, man, that offense could not have been more out of tune, and, and I think a lot of it was the running game. Yeah, when you're a leader like him and you're at home, you don't lay an egg in the first half and get your team 
in such a big deficit that it's almost impossible to come back. They did fight back, and I believe they tied the game, if I'm not mistaken. But at the end, A.J. Green with a huge touchdown. I mean, the Bengals, 1-0 in the division. Pittsburgh almost was 0-1 in the division. They didn't. They didn't play very well in the second half. But the NFL is a weird game, Trey. It's, it's like these games have – you're watching a part of a movie and then another part. They're just two different stories in each half with the NFL. That's a frustrating thing to me, getting into NFL football and really watching it. In college, usually the, the dominant team wins both halves. But in, in the NFL, it's just so even that you never know, you know what's going to happen. But the player of the day, Trey, to me – Matt Ryan, 448 yards, three touchdowns against New Orleans. That defense stood up when they had to. Julio Jones with 116 yards receiving. Mark Ingram for the Saints, 60 yards and two TDs. I mean, this was the best game of the day, and I think everybody thought it was going to be the best game of the day, so it didn't disappoint. No, it was a great game. The Falcons, a big win for them, knocking off New Orleans like they did. I mean, you know, Matty Ice played well. But almost who played better on that team was Matt Bryant. I mean, um, hit, that they basically, if they got within about 55 yards, they just said, okay, um, Matt, what do you need from us? <laughs> and so, I mean, his leg was, it was pretty incredible today. So the two Matts played very well. Well, Trey, I believe you have, your kicker is, is Matt Bryant from the Falcons. Did he outscore anybody else on your team? I think he outscored everybody on my team. We exactly. never a winning, a winning formula. Yeah, but it's always nice to know you get those 50-yard kicks. They they get a lot of points. So that was the game of the day, and it was awesome. Any thoughts on the NFL trade before we move on to college football? No, I think let's let's move on. I mean, I think we hit the, the games we needed to discuss. Um, I will say one thing uh, about the 49ers. Uh, that game was much better played, and it was nowhere near as close as it came out. So if you look at the box score and you think, well, well, the 49ers and Kaepernick must have been struggling. Kaepernick was not struggling at all. Uh, he was throwing lasers throughout that field, played very well, and they sat on the they sat on the running game in the second half. But uh, the 49ers played way better than I thought they were going to play, Tarvin, so I was very impressed with them. Yeah, it's like they got up and then they just let off the gas. They want to make sure they, they stay healthy as well because you look at Dallas, you know, San Francisco knows they're a joke, and San Francisco knows really their only true, true competition in that division, Seattle. So they they could care less. Once they got that game in hand, it was over early. But, Trey, give me your thoughts on the NFL, or the NBA right quick, the Atlanta Hawks owner. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about Bruce it. Levinson. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. The email apparently sort of comment. That's all I know. Well, in his email, he did write, you know, talking about some of the fans, how to get the fans there. And I'm not 100% sure, but I know he did apologize because it, it the email made the white fans appear more important than the other fans. And I wonder why he self-reported this, Trey. It just seems odd right now that we're hearing about this. He self-reports it. He's selling his interest. Do you think he did this because he somebody – you know, told him that they were going to break this or, or what? Uh, maybe he just wants to sell the team and he thought, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it is weird. I mean, uh, you just, it's super weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, very weird. I just wanted to throw that out there and see what you thought. But 
I don't know. Going back to the NFL real quick, it just what game was that where uh, where the guy drop kicked the uh, the kicker? He was running. What game was that where he jumped up to the drop Steelers kick? Steelers or Browns? That was that was Browns <laughs> or Steelers. Uh, yeah, we tweeted that out. So follow us on Twitter if you want to see this stuff. It was it was incredible. It was awesome. I don't think he meant to do that. I think he wanted to jump over him, but he realized he couldn't, so <laughs> he just kicked him. What do you think the fine's going to be for that? Uh, probably like twenty grand. <laughs> twenty grand for a drop kick? I'll take it. Uh, that was awesome, though. I have to admit, that was just the highlight of the day, and I can't believe it just didn't dawn on me till now. But, Trey, college football, uh, I guess that we'll start off with, I want to talk about your Florida State Seminoles real quick against the Citadel. And you and I talked this morning before the NFL game started. You were concerned about Citadel hurting three of your nose guards and uh, nose tackles chop blocking them well the citadel player actually come out the offensive line and said if they're not going to respect us blocking them they're going to respect us chopping them and these guys did this intentionally trey and i'm wondering what the ncaa could do about this because they went out to intentionally try to hurt these florida state guys and jimbo came out and said he would not be playing teams like this anymore just due to that fact well i mean and that's the real problem right i mean you have Guys like from the Citadel, it really surprises me, Tarvin, because you have a team that's supposed to be academy for military, you know, sort of you know, pipeline officers to play with such lack of integrity. It's really sort of, to me, frustrating. I mean, these Citadel guys are, you know, possibly coming into the military as officers, and you got to think, well, you know, is that really the monetary we want out of players like that? Um, I don't know if the NCAA can do anything about it, but... We tweeted out the link to the, the offensive lineman's Facebook page. Um, just really unfortunate, and that's why you just can't – you shouldn't schedule these teams because there's really nothing in it. And Florida State, if you watch the game or anything, and you look at the final score and you think, oh, man, Florida State struggled. They were up 28 nothing at half, and in the second half, they basically they ran. Quit. They quit. Yeah, I mean, they really did. They wanted yeah. nothing to do. Uh, three, they're starting three, you know, one, two, and third string. Those tackles were hurt. I mean, all they wanted to do was get out of there. Well, maybe this is a wake-up call to all these big teams, and, and it's not just Florida State. There's every team schedule these, schedule these teams like this. Maybe it's a wake-up call to just, you know, discontinue playing them. That way they don't get paid anything. They can play each other and do that because tippers will flare. I mean, if you're the little man and you're getting beat 70 points and you know, you're embarrassed, humiliated, you're going to start taking some cheap shots, and there's no business that week two you looked at college football. There's no reason you should have this many games with this many junior colleges playing these guys. It's just very disappointing. I mean, Arkansas, Trey, beat a team 73-7. to I mean, LSU just tore up a team like that. A&M won 73-3. to Auburn won 59-13. to I mean, it's just boring football. It's just not good, and 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 when you play good teams, they you play with respect to each other. You have good players on each side; they're not going to chop block you. You're not going to chop them, and it's just a mutual respect. But these guys looked like they were out to prove a point. And Trey, I think the rules need to be rewritten and make that illegal. You shouldn't be able to to chop like that. 
Well, I mean, Carmen, no complaints from me on, on that. I mean, we talked about that during the offseason as well. Another thing, you talked about the Arkansas score, Tarvin. I don't know if you know that they were up, what, by 50 points or something in the fourth quarter, and Brett Bielema challenged a uh, yes a first down call from the opposing I team. saw that. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe him, man. I, that's what a, what a, what a, speaking of unclassy moves. And it was not even close. Like, he lost the challenge, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. <laughs> but, yeah, Brett, come on, buddy. Yeah, he was out to prove a point that he's back. You know, Auburn spanked him last week. He thought that uh, Nichols State, he had a, a point to prove, and he did, just like Florida did. But the one of the things of the day, before we get into the Big Ten Conference, Joe Hayden, the athletic director for Southern Cal, is on the playoff committee right now, and and I I have so much, so many opinions about a current AD being on any committee to select the Final Four. But this guy comes out of the press box, Trey, and gets an official's face over some personal foul calls. I mean, have you ever seen this before? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I can't say that I have, buddy. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of people uh, tweeting about this. Some people saying he should step off the committee. Some people saying that it's much to do about nothing. Well, here, here's my thoughts, Tarvin, and i got to step off for about five to ten minutes and put my daughter to bed. But I'll tell you this. You know, you talk about decision-making. And I know he's a Rhodes Scholar. The guy's a genius. Um, probably smarter than I am. But I can tell you the immaturity and the lack of integrity and the lack of sort of good decision-making that he showed by running down there on the field is concerning enough to, to question his judgment when it comes to being on a committee like this. So give me a few minutes, buddy, and I'll be right back. All right. And Trey, what Trey's saying is these guys are, are, are supposed to be the, the best of the best when it comes to integrity and intelligence. I think Sarkeesian – is big enough down there to be able to get his point across to officials that he doesn't need the AD coming down. I mean, like, Daddy needs to come. Let me text Daddy to come take care of this person here that's about to kick my tail. The bottom line is you're the head coach of the Southern California Trojans. Come on, USC, you're there. You don't need Daddy to come down out of the press box. And this is what worries me about the committee, guys. And our current ADs, former ADs, I don't care. Every one of them are biased. Every one of them are homers. All of them are going to fight for their conference, and that's why this committee sucks, in my opinion. I I can't buy into the fact that this committee is going to be able to do anything the BCS couldn't do. At least the computers, I mean, the computers didn't have the eye test. That's one thing that, that I didn't like about it. You have to be able to see these teams instead of just looking at their stats. But come on, Hayden, it's time to step down. Hayden, remove yourself from the committee, and if you want to go down the field and cuss officials and get in their face, that's what you can do. But this committee is not supposed to be like this. And all these crazy people out there loving this committee already, they don't even know what the rankings are going to be. You just wait till your team gets snubbed and they're deserving to be in the playoffs because they want to do the politically correct thing and actually make sure that uh, that uh, all conferences almost get get in there. But 
that's just something I wanted to, to touch on tonight. If you want to call in 646-716-5564, college football yesterday, I mean, some great games, but one conference that that you got to look at and you got to wonder what in the world's going on is the Big Ten Conference. Yesterday was their their day to show the country that they're back. And I don't know about y'all, but I didn't see them being back. I saw them. It's probably the worst day in Big Ten history of football. If you're going to make a point that you you deserve, you belong in the playoff, one of your teams, you got to win some of these games. But they failed to do that. The only team in the Big Ten that really impressed me was Michigan State, and they lost by 19 points on the road to Oregon. But, look, that game was close. I predicted Oregon to win by 21, but I did not think it would be that close. Honestly, I did not think it would be that close. But the Big Ten Conference, looking at it, was just a a disaster. I'm having some Internet problems right now, so I'm trying to to get all my stats back up again. Um, Big Ten, it started with Nebraska and McNeese State in the morning where Nebraska needed – uh, touchdown to win the game in the last seconds, a 70 or about a 65 yard touchdown uh, to win the game from Abdullah to even beat McNeese State. And then you turn around, uh, Purdue gets blown out by Central Michigan, Northwestern loses to a high school, and then you have Michigan State get railroaded by Oregon, Michigan gets destroyed by Notre Dame. And Ohio State at home, a night game, the biggest crowd in the shoot in history, they get beat by two touchdowns. I mean, what a disaster. I'm talking about a disaster for the Big Ten. And my question to everyone out there, will the Big Ten get a team in the playoff and should they get a team in? Say Michigan State runs the table and they beat these these teams that really aren't that good and all of a sudden they're a one-loss team. Who do you take? Do you take a one-loss Michigan State team in the playoffs, Trey? Or do you take a one-loss SEC or Big 12 or ACC team that's played a tougher road? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, now that Michigan State and Ohio State have lost, I, I think with Wisconsin losing too, you basically have your three premier teams losing out of conference to um, – other than Michigan State, they're the only ones with any shot left. And, and, I, and I say that, um, I don't like to say absolutes this early in the season because, I mean, nothing is final. But let's just say, Tarvin, that, that Ohio State runs the table. Well, Virginia Tech was a non-ranked ACC team who waxed them in the shoe, first home game with all time in the world to prepare for them. Uh, I have a tough time putting them over almost any one-loss team. The same goes for Wisconsin. I mean, they lost to a ranked LSU team. So, I mean, they will have some opportunity to make that up. But LSU needs to finish very strong. That to happen, I imagine LSU is going to lose three or four ball games, and that that win, yeah, that loss is going to look even worse. So, um, you know, Michigan State's got a very, very tough road if they want to get any chance in this thing. Um, but, Tarvin, I look at it as a very, very slim chance. Well, I'm going to tell you this, and I'll admit, on air right here, that that I predicted Oregon to win the, by 21 to, against Michigan State, and they won by 19. But I was wrong in how hard Michigan State would play. I never thought Michigan State would get up by two scores. And 
I don't think many teams in the country could go to Eugene, Oregon yesterday and pull one off. I mean, that's the toughest place to play in college football, no doubt about it, Trey. I came away that game more impressed with Michigan State, and Oregon is beatable. That's what I that's what I figured out in, in the last night's game. Is that crazy for me saying it that way, Trey? Oregon looked beatable. Michigan State impressed me more. Well, Parvin, Oregon basically had the blueprint uh, used against them that's cost them in a lot of physical games. They're now 3-5 and five against top 20, basically, defenses, um, you know, in the last five or six years. That's not a great record. Uh, so physical defenses can push Oregon around, and Michigan State was pushing them around on the, on the line of scrimmage. The problem with Michigan State was is that Mariota was able to slip some of that pass rush, and then when he did, um, some of the corners were, were pressing too hard up, and then they got beat over the top. So um, if that pass rush had gotten to Mariota a half second earlier, maybe a different score. And so you know, teams like Stanford, um, and I, I, I don't think USC, but – uh, have a shot because how physical they are. And we'll have to see with USC being Stanford this weekend what they do with their season now. But, um, you know, I still think Stanford has a good shot to beat Oregon. And, Trey, uh, I looked at the Pac-12 yesterday, and everybody's talking about the Big Ten, how it let them down. Look, it's week two, and, and I'm hard on the Big Ten. I, do I think they're the best conference? No, not at all, not a chance. You know how I feel. But there's a lot, a lot of football to be played and nobody's out of it. I mean, you know, Ohio State lost, Michigan State lost, Michigan's probably out of it. But uh, I just look at the Pac-12, very disappointed in them. That USC-Stanford game trade was not good to me. I think both teams are two, three lost teams. Um, I look at UCLA almost losing to Memphis in UCLA, a home game for them, a night game. I look at Washington giving up about 60 points to Eastern Washington or whoever, and Washington State losing to Nevada. Trey, I mean, let's talk about the Big 12 for a moment, a, a conference that people that I see on message boards all the time saying is better than the SEC conference. I mean, what do you think about the Pac-12? I, I think it's disappointing this season. Well, I mean, UCLA is looking like a pretender for sure. Now, they still haven't watched yet, and that's all that really matters. Uh, in the Pac-12, they went undefeated. They'd be in the playoffs. I mean, no matter how you know how how poor they look getting there. Um, I'll tell you, even though Stanford lost that game, I liked what I saw. They got within the 30 of USC. I think every single possession. Um, I still think, as you and I have been harping on, that that Grogan, the quarterback, his, his release is entirely too long that he's not a pressure-type quarterback, that Stanford has to be winning a football game uh, because he can't bring him back. And I think well, I think we saw that. You know, with the ball in his hand, he had a really slow start and he gets stripped of the ball because he has, not you know, a wind-up that takes four hours to get out of, out of his hand. And, you know, so Stanford isn't built to come back. Now, unfortunately, I think they probably beat USC nine out of ten times because, I mean, they were moving the ball on USC without any problem but they didn't win, and now Stanford's got a huge uphill climb, too. They have to hope that Oregon runs the table and they're able to beat them. Um, but you're, you're, why not discount the Pac-12? I mean, you're right, Washington struggled. I think Washington State got beat uh, by some junior college. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 
that aren't meeting expectations, and that mid-level crowd in Pac-12, Tarvin, is looking pretty weak. It really is, and and I can't sit here and beat on the chest of an SEC team either because there's not many SEC teams that have played anybody. But you look at their records, what they've done, and you got to be impressed with what the SEC's done. But trade the Stanford Southern Cal game reminded me kind of of LSU Alabama a few years ago, where LSU won the game because Alabama missed on all those opportunities in Tuscaloosa, and then they turned around and blew them out in the the championship game, I, I think Stanford's a better team than Southern Cal. They just could not quit shooting themselves in the foot every time they got down ready to score. It was a penalty or something that just blew a drive up every time. Southern Cal's very fortunate uh, to be able to win that game. And, and I, I can't honestly sit here and tell you, Trey, that I think Southern Cal is a Final Four team really at the end. I, I just see them losing three games, two or three games. Yeah, I mean, I think they snuck one out. Uh, great great win for them. I'm not, not going to discount their win, Tarvin. But, I mean, I saw a lot of problems um, on defense for them, and that's going to hurt them later on. Now, the, here's the thing about USC is, is that we know that UCLA is struggling, so they may be able to back their way into the championship, the Pac-12 championship, that is. So, I mean, the Pac-12 is, is, is still sort of an all-out race, even with some of these teams losing. So, like I said, it's just they're so inconsistent right now. Uh, a lot of these teams are. And, you know, I, I said earlier that US, UCLA starts real slow. You know, so we'll see if Hunley comes around. I mean, last year, to look at his stats, it took him a couple games to really get going. So we'll see if by mid, midpoint, if they stay undefeated, if he starts, you know, playing like people think he, he should play. Well, Trey, I want to I want to take a minute and and talk about the Texas Longhorns and the BYU game last night. Looking at Charlie Strong, he's kicked off a lot of players off this team. Herb Street, Texas to to beat BYU last night. We didn't. Uh, this was an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. And I know what Charlie Strong thinks he's doing is good for the team. You know, kicking all these players off. But how long? Are these guys in Texas going to actually put up with losses like this, embarrassing losses? I mean, if you look at their schedule, they're going to probably get embarrassed many more times. How long is Charlie Strong going to survive, Dre? That's my question to you. Well, I think Charlie Strong probably has two years, depending on how poor those two years are, to make something of the team. Um and, you know, kicking people off, I particularly like it. It would be great if everyone did it, though. But, you know, you and I talked off the air, and, you know, uh, football teams that win aren't made of saints. So, you know, and, and, and you know, good Christian men, if you will, um, they're made of a lot of guys who, you know, you question their decision-making and you wouldn't let your daughter or your son hang out with them um, because they're good at football, and that's all they're good at. Um so, I mean, it's great that Charlie Strong has this sort of, you know, this is my program. Uh, I'm not so convinced that he can field a good team with, you know, I guess that heart-heavy hand. I mean, Mark Rick has struggled with it. Um, I mean, like I said, I think it's from a personal level I really appreciate it. Um, but from a college football level, Tarvin, I'm not sure it's the successful type of strategy. Well, I mean, uh, losing by – the way they did. I mean, that was just a annihilation, and that was the same thing that happened to Texas last year against BYU. You would think the defense would come in with more heart, passion, and everything. Maybe 
even with numbers being down, not the death, it's the second game of the season. You should show more heart than that. Do you think there's a chance that this that Charlie Strong has lost his team, Trey? Well, I mean, I'm not sure he's lost the team um, this early on, but, I mean, I think there's guys in the team who probably don't appreciate being the heavy-handed, especially the way Texas has been coached in years past. I mean, Matt Brown wasn't exactly an authoritative type of guy. Well, I think Charlie Strong's coming in, and he's eating this stuff up. Like, he loves it, this that his name's out there for being the disciplinarian. I think he's taking it a little too far, and I think that's going to cost him his team, and eventually it's going to cost him his job. Because let me tell you, there's a team in Texas that's dominating recruiting. They're dominating on the field right now, and that's Kevin Sumlin and the Texas A&M Aggies. I mean, tell me, Trey, if you had a choice to play for Sumlin and A&M in the SEC or play for Charlie Strong, really, who are you going to choose? That's why I think Charlie Strong's in trouble. There's no way he's going to be able to out-recruit Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M with the, with the relationships that he has with these high school coaches there. I mean, Kevin Sumlin's a household name now. I think Charlie Strong's in trouble. Well, I mean, people forget that Sumlin has been in Texas for a long time. Uh, coach against Houston, and that was a big thing. People said, oh, who is this guy coaching out of Texas? You know, Houston, his offense will never work in the SEC. Well, he's a good football coach. He recruits really well. He knows all these high school coaches, and turns out his offense works just fine in the SEC. So, yeah, it's going to be a big problem for Texas uh, because they're going to have to find an identity. And not only that, they have to find an identity within the Texas um, sort of high school state um, when it comes to these relationships. Now, I mean, Charlie Strong, can he get there? I don't know, Tarvin. We'll see. I don't think so, and I know there's some Texas people out there that are still believing he's going to turn it around. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Who cares, really? I mean, Texas A&M right now is owning the state of Texas. Before long, they're probably going to be owning the SEC with the way they're recruiting right now. It's just scary seeing what they put on the field and how good they are on offense. It's going to be hard to beat these guys. And 41-7, to 7, oh, man, that's just tough to swallow at home. And I don't know. I'm not ready to pre- predict a record for them just yet. But but we'll see. Another team, Trey, that you were making fun of me about, and I think you said on the air before, I said Kansas State-Auburn was one of the best matchups in the out-of-conference. And Kansas State yesterday, yeah. <laughs> snuck out 12 points in the fourth quarter to come back and win 32-28. to 28. But, Trey, there was a controversial call at the end that gave Kansas State the ball at the one that was really an incompletion. The upstairs, they didn't, they didn't buzz it down, and they both got suspended up there upstairs. Give us your thoughts on Kansas State, Iowa State real quick. Well, I mean, you and I talked about this before as well, and Kansas State sort of built up with a top 25 football team and maybe because there's really not anybody else out there, but you're talking about an Iowa State team lost to a, you know, an FCS team or whatever they're calling themselves these days prior week, <laughs> and then they just give Kansas State all they can handle. Um, and probably should have won the football game. I mean, that, that, to me, just says a lot about that Kansas State is not ready to compete on a top 25 level, and they're going to get beat, I would say, um, systematically by good teams. So you think Auburn's going to head down there on that Thursday night and beat them, Trey? I don't. I don't think it'll be close by halftime. I hope you're right. 
speaking of speaking of Auburn Trey, fifty nine to thirteen over San Jose State, Nick Marshall uh looked average. I mean he got his rushing numbers. He didn't look too good passing the defense. I still have questions about that secondary. I mean, looking at that offense though, Trey, who do you think can stop that Auburn offense, man? It is rolling right now. Fifty nine thirteen had had three hundred and fifty yards rushing. I mean, who can stop it? Well, I mean, we'll know more when they they face a real good, you know, a real talented team, which they haven't faced so far. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they played well against the competition last year. So we'll have to see if that translates as well as this year. Because I mean, last year they competed very well against the better teams. So um, they did struggle a couple, you know, against LSU and and some teams like that. We'll have to see if if they find some success against those teams this year that they, you know, that they were able to at least slow them down last year. And, you know, people are saying Cameron Artis Payne, see, he can replace Trey Mason. I don't think you know if Trey Mason can be replaced until, like you said, you start playing those better teams because Trey Mason was a a great back that was great against the better competition. So we'll still see Auburn 2-0 right now, bye week coming up, then they go to Manhattan to play Kansas State. Trey, the shocker of last night, I think Jonathan Miklos picked this in our group, Virginia Tech over Ohio State, 35-21. to 21. I mean, I wasn't surprised by this. Was you? Were you really surprised? Because, I mean, Virginia Tech dominated up front. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I was more surprised that they scored 35 points. Uh, you know, I was surprised because I didn't think Virginia Tech could score that much. I thought Ohio State would score, um, and I thought that Virginia Tech couldn't score. Um the surprising thing, I mean, Virginia Tech had never run. I think I think they were like 0 at 8 all time against top five teams or something on the road. I mean, they were they had never won against a top ten team on the road. I mean, so you know, this is there was a lot of reasons to doubt that they could go into the shoe. You know, first game of the season uh, and win on the road in a big stage like that. So you got to give the old Beamer Ball a lot of credit. I mean, they played ready. They played within themselves. Uh, and now, I mean, Tarvin, the ACC is just crazy with predictions. I mean, the Coastal was was completely up for grabs before this, and now I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, you, it's, it's hard to tell. Virginia Tech could be that team that jumps up and bites somebody like a Florida State or whoever, whether it be, I don't know if they play in the regular season, but in the championship game they could play, but one of the shockers last night, it wasn't that Notre Dame trade that they beat Michigan. It's that they beat Michigan 31 to nothing. This was Brady Hope's year. You know, he had the team in place to make a run for it. To be beaten 31 to nothing, your last time playing Notre Dame. Trey, what does this do to Brady Hope? And my question, does he make it through the season? I mean, this was Nussmeyer, the offensive coordinator, coming from Alabama there is going to make a huge difference. But, you know, Brian Van Gorder, the defensive coordinator for Auburn trade that, that got lit up because it wasn't his fault. It was the team was so bad. He's at Notre Dame. That defense is rough. I mean, it's tough. Notre Dame is back, Trey. I'm telling you, Notre Dame's got a good football team. Were you impressed with the 31 to nothing victory? Yeah, because, I mean, I thought they were – yeah, I thought Notre Dame would win the game easily, but I didn't think they would throw a shutout. Because um, Gardner actually was pretty efficient in the first half. So the fact they closed out that strong does say something. I mean, this is still the kind of game they were winning 
uh, a couple years ago when they got blasted by Alabama in the championship game. So, you know, I have to see more of them before I put them as Lou Holtz has them as number two in the country, yeah. um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Which is why he shouldn't probably be on TV. But well, well, Trey um, has offered number one in the country. I mean, come on. <laughs> I guess you take what you can get if you're an Auburn fan. But <laughs> maybe he has that so Auburn can blast them. Because I mean, I, I have not sold on Notre Dame. I, I think they're back as in, as in uh, they're back as a a ten type of win team. We'll see. I mean, they got a lot of big games coming up. I mean, so good test for them. They they pass with flying colors in in this week. We'll have to see how they do when they. You know, come up with something. Like so they have a really tough schedule, Tarvin. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm impressed with them. And to say back, I mean, they're relevant again. Golson's a great quarterback, and uh, we're only going to 9:30 tonight, Trey, Eastern Time. Um, I'm going to get Jason Humphrey on here in a minute to talk about his Ducks. But Clemson rebounded with a 73 to seven win over South Carolina State. North Carolina hung on 31-27 against San Diego State. But South Carolina, Trey, at home last night, beat East Carolina 33-23. to uh, I mean, that takes that in South Carolina game. Did that take a lot out of South Carolina? Were they hiding from some stuff from Georgia since they had a bye week? Or is South Carolina just not that good, Trey? Well, I mean, South Carolina, I, I don't think they're as talented as we thought they were. Um, you know, struggling against a very mediocre East Carolina, and a lot of people said, "Oh, their offense is legitimate." Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, East Carolina will get beat by a lot of people this year, uh, and so I think that just shows you a little bit of what East Carolina, or excuse me, what South Carolina is going to be this year. Um, you know, you, I think you you, you kind of went out there on the limb with South Carolina beating Georgia, Tarvin. How do you feel about that right now? I feel good about it, actually, and we'll see how the week goes on. I, I mean, you're at home, uh, CBS, you know, game televised. The crowd will be into it. This is a chance for redemption. This is a chance, a do-over. And if South Carolina comes out and beats Georgia, we won't have to hear this crap about how good Georgia is, how unbeatable they are. But it'll put the world back in balance. I mean, are, are you not giving them a chance? Well, I think they have a chance. I mean, this is the East. This is Georgia we're talking about. Um, Thank you. But, I mean, we're 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 on. We we should be on different pages with Georgia this year, but we'll see. I mean, you never know with Georgia. Um, you know, if Gurley were to go down in, in, in quarter one, you know, that we have a totally different ball game. So, I mean, I'm not sure that I'm I'm ready to pick Lydia Tarvin on that one, but, but we'll see. Well, no, and I may pick Georgia Wednesday night. You don't know. But one thing <laughs> funny I saw, <laughs> well, one thing funny I saw, Trey, last night, LSU beat Sam Houston, say, 56 to nothing in the first quarter, I believe. Fournette, the freshman running back, he, he got a total of 92 yards last night on 13 carries and a touchdown. Struck a Heisman pose against Sam Houston State. I mean, what does that say about this kid? Yeah, ridiculous. Um Utterly ridiculous. You are showboating against Sam Houston State. <laughs> Come on, man. Just just get out of here with that. Yeah, that, that concerned me a little bit. Like, this is LSU. This is not Vanderbilt. I mean, this is LSU. They, they, they're used to winning national championships, playing in the big game. And for you to think that that touchdown meant so much that you have to try to show them up, I mean, 
I, I just don't don't know what this kid's future holds. But I'm sure Les Miles is going to have a few words with him about that, Trey. But Baylor in the Big 12 last night, I know they played Northwestern State at 70 points, 70 to 6. Got to be impressed with Baylor right now. But I'm interested to see how they play uh, against better competition. The Alabama Crimson Tide trade, no problems with Florida Atlantic, 41 to nothing. Um, no surprise there. There's still a quarterback controversy. How long are you going to give Alabama to, to figure this out? I think they have to have a quarterback by after next week before they start their conference game. Yeah, I think Blake Sims is entrenched there now. I, I just don't see him losing. I, I was more impressed with him uh, you know, playing in a blowout the way he did. I mean, I, I thought he was very efficient with the football. Uh, Coker was, was inaccurate at times. I just think, to be honest, Coker – you know, it, it seems like he is still not on the pace of the Alabama offense, which really, uh, I know he didn't have a whole lot of time because he came in so late this summer, uh, but he this is supposed to be a system that he can pick up pretty quickly. It doesn't look like he's on the same page with his receivers yet, and I think that's why Blake Sims is playing and, and playing decently well. Well, I mean, just think, this guy, Blake Sims, how does he feel, you know, being feeling like that, that Saban doesn't have any faith in him. They go out and get Coker. The media is already putting in the Heisman contender that Sims can't win the job. And where would Alabama be without Blake Sims right now? Classy young man, actually. Very classy individual. He runs that team. The team responds. Alabama could be in big trouble if Blake Sims decided to transfer, Trey. (laughs) I think Sims is going to keep the job. I think he's playing well enough to do it. Um, and he still has a locker room, and I think those guys um, will rally around him. Now, the thing I still think that Florida is going to be a test for him because I think he's going to see matchups, um, and they're going to force him into some plays. Now, with Coker playing as sort of erratic as he is, I don't think necessarily bringing him in would be a good thing if that happens. But um, we'll just see. That's when I really test. I think the test will come for Nick Saban and Blake Sims if if Sims struggles against Florida. Um, what does Saban do? Does he trust in him and say, hey, you know, we got you, you know, pull through this, or does he give him the hook and here comes Coker, and then now they really do have some problems for the offense? Well, I'm impressed with Florida. I don't know they played Eastern Michigan trade, but um, I saw a line that really concerned me today, and tell me what you think. Alabama favored 17 points over Florida, and I just looked at that, and I'm like, there's no way. That, that you could be favored that much over a talented team like Florida Roper, the offensive coordinator. I think they have some kind of identity they're working on there on offense. 17 is a little high, don't you think? I think it will come down by game time. Yeah, and you know what really – actually what the most impressive thing I saw about Florida was the backup quarterback, Trayon Harris. If you, if you watch that blowout, uh, Trayon Harris, the freshman quarterback who almost signed with Florida State and did one of the switcheroos near the very end, uh, looks really, really incredible. So um, you, he may be in some packages in the Alabama game because he looked electric. You do not want to go in and play Florida if you're not set on your quarterback. So Alabama, just play Blake Sims, and if you decide to pull him, eventually pull him, put Coker in for the rest of the season, whatever, but quit shuffling in quarterbacks. And I know you play Florida Atlantic, but it really throws off the rhythm. I mean, Alabama, Blake Sam's 11-13, 214, two touchdowns straight, 45 yards, a touchdown rushing. He also had a big receiving touchdown. Amari Cooper, the beast in the SEC trade, 13 receptions, 189, a touchdown. This guy, doesn't matter who he plays, he's putting up his numbers. And 
you got to respect that. Yeah, I mean, Marty Cooper um, is he's starting to get to our you know instantaneous Heisman worthy type performances. They're targeting him a lot, though, is also the thing. So I'm telling you, Vernon Hargraves, one of the best cornerbacks in the country, is going to be a first-round draft pick. They're going to put him on Amari Cooper, and then we're really going to get to see a really great battle. Well, I'm excited. And to give you all a little preview next week before we break down this Michigan State-Oregon game, bring Jason on. Tennessee taking their 2-0 and record to Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma night game. We're going to see what the volunteers are made of. And, and Trey, I'm not saying Tennessee's got to win this game to get respect, but they do have to fight to get some respect and keep it rather close. I think 14 points, um, you got to keep it within 14 points, I think, if you're Tennessee to, to get some kind of respect, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there is a big upset on the calendar next week, though, Carvin. Um and I'll give you a little bit of preview because I'm not I'm not sure about next week's schedule uh, for me. But uh, Tarvin, you know, we talked about how Texas is playing poorly. We talked about how UCLA is playing poorly. I looked at that game and I think, man, UCLA mm-hmm. isn't in a good place right now, and Texas may just sneak up on them. You know, Trey, don't be. I'm not saying this to be funny. I thought the same thing too when I was looking over the schedule. There's not a lot of great games out there. But UCLA to me, you, you beat Memphis by seven at home. You got some problems. They barely beat Virginia. Actually, Virginia beat themselves. You could be right. I'll be pulling for the Texas Longhorns next Saturday night. And I mean, there's some decent games out there next week, Trey, but none bigger than Georgia, South Carolina, and none really bigger than last night's game, Michigan State, Oregon. And Jason Humphrey sent me a message, Trey, and asked me why I'm not buying into Oregon. And the reason I'm not buying into Oregon, and I'll bring you on just a second, Jason, is when I watch that team, you got a lot of young players and playing in your backyard. It's 111 degrees on the sideline at times on that field. Trey, I mean, this is not the Oregon team of old that I'm used to watching just tear teams apart. I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think Oregon's missing something? It just seems like they're missing something right now. Maybe it's all these young players. Yeah, I think I agree with you, and I, I think really what it boils down to is uh, they're really, really reliant on Mariota playing sort of outside his mind, which he really did. I mean, if you watch, if you watch the Michigan State game, and you see Mariota break free, and a lot of those blitzes, or no, when his offensive line was just getting whipped, um, he was making a lot of individual plays that really could have gone another way. You know, had the you know with the offensive line playing as poorly as they did. So I mean, to me, that's what I—that's what I don't like because you know they were a couple of Mariota crazy plays where he broke free from the, you know, the defenders and, and got outside the pocket and then found a receiver down the field. That doesn't happen every single time, Tarvin, and that's what I worry about with Oregon is that offensive line getting whipped. Yeah, when you get out of the comfort of your own home and you're playing in the conference, and you know, I don't care who you are, your conference is going to be tough when you're in the trenches playing in those games. I just don't have the faith in Oregon, and I'm bringing Jason Humphrey on. Jason, welcome to the show. Not, I'm not trying to put down your ducks. I'm just not sold on them just yet. Yeah, um, you, you guys' um, statements with us being young, Justin, Robert, well, going back to my order, um, 
unbelievable or so fast. So, so then, then if you don't get that, I, I think we lose the ball game. Um, uh, the, the offense line, it just looks like it. Um, we did have an injury on the offense line during that game. Um, all defense played amazing second half, and that you could make a case that we shut down in Michigan State three out of the four quarters. Um, hey, Jason, when, Jason, I can't hear you, man. I cannot hear you. Can you check your phone? Upstairs. I think it'll be fine. Hello? Okay, I can hear you a little better now. Okay. I, um, I, I think our defense played really good. Um, we, we really shut down that Michigan State passing the game, um, because they, they, um, as soon as we brought four or five um guys to rush the quarterbacks, Michigan State really, really had issues with that. So yeah. But uh, congrats on your win last night, Jason. That was a, a big win for you guys. And, Trey, I'm not taking anything away from Oregon. Huge win for them. But let's see how they perform down their schedule. They have a tough schedule as well. Those young kids could be a lot better and, and make bigger plays, especially on the road. So we'll just have to wait and see on the Oregon Ducks. So, Trey, are you going to be able to be here Wednesday night? Well, uh, I am actually leaving for um, to for DC on a Wednesday, so I don't think I'm going to make it because uh, we'll be driving to DC with two kids in the van. So uh, I don't think I'm going to be there. I will post the games and I will definitely post my picks, but I think I'm going to miss Wednesday, buddy, uh, because I am driving to DC for my wife's school. All right. Well, uh, we'll miss you, but you'll be back Sunday night, hopefully and uh, when we can go over all the games. But everybody, thanks for joining us tonight and going over some of these games with us. It was a great week, too, and I'm I'm sure the controversy is going to start heating up, Trey, with who's better than who and and all this once the conference games start up. But right now, I'll be honest with you, Trey, I'm not sold on anybody. There's not a team out there that I feel great about right now. I mean, do you feel great about a team? I mean, I see holes in every team that I see. Well, I mean, I think that's for sure. I think the teams that I'm most um, – and I'm not saying, you know, because scheduling-wise. I'm just saying right now look at the most complete teams out there. Um, and uh, it really is two teams out of the SEC. And, uh, and I, again, I'm not saying that this is complete as in they have no holes. But as in, you know, I'm looking at them like, man, these, these teams are playing really high right now, at a high level, and that's Texas A&M and Auburn. So, well, I mean, obviously they play each other this year, so – but. The point is, is, you know, to week two, can ch- a lot can change. But uh, those are the two that I, I think are playing the best right now. I had a Tennessee fan call me last night, Trey, and, and those exact words you said, and they told me the two best teams in the country, they think, are Auburn and Texas A&M. But that's after two games, after what they see, you know, with the eye test. But there's still a lot of games to be played. That's going to be a fun game. And, you know, when the season started, Trey, before the season started, I looked at A&M on the Auburn schedule and said, oh, that game's at home. We'll kill them. And now I'm like, oh, my God. I watched their secondary play, and I'm like, what if we look like South Carolina on defense? <laughs> I mean, it can get ugly. Texas A&M's capable of blowing anybody out. But I wouldn't sleep on your Florida State Seminoles, Trey. Those guys, you know, anytime you're the hunted, 
you 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 struggle sometimes. You have to build an identity, and they're two and zero right now, and that's all that matters. Alabama looks good, and I mean, there's a lot of teams that look good, but there's not an unbeatable team out there. I'll promise you that. And it could be a season where nobody goes undefeated, but we don't know yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. But Trey, be safe on your travels. Denver's up seventeen to nothing in the second quarter over Indy. I'm a little surprised at that, but oh well. But have a great week, guys. Everybody, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Riding through this world all alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own. <laughs>